0: Welcome to another episode of the WAN Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. So in this episode, we're going to dig into sourcing. Uh, Something that we talk often on the show about are the changes like cloud migration, SD-WAN, security? Um, that have driven many large enterprises away from maybe the old model of one or two or a handful of MPLS suppliers um, to a model where they have a novel mix of uh, underlay technologies and suppliers. So whether that's local internet breakouts from a variety of ISPs alongside your MPLS or moving all the way to kind of sourcing your own backbone between data center nodes, Uh, many enterprises have moved into a more sort of telco-like role, as I like to think of it, um, in buying their connectivity much more directly. So to talk about all of these trends, I'm very happy today to have Steve Rome, who's Chief Revenue Officer and Co-Founder of Advantage. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Greg. Happy to be here. Excellent. So as we always do, I'd like to uh, maybe if you could uh, just do a quick overview of your background and um, and how you came to co-found Advantage.
1: Sure. So uh, back in the day, I actually worked for a, a large systems integrator called Sapient. And Sapient was the application development and systems integration front. So infrastructure was kind of a foreign and and very uh, (laughs) assumed, uh, just was always there, utility. We're we're
0: way further down the stack than that, so we're going to, absolutely, yeah.
1: Absolutely, so, um, but I had run into, during several uh, large initiatives, having worked with the infrastructure, um, to be honest with you, it was somewhat of a mess back then, Uh, Mm -hmm. the late 90s, the 2000s, you had deregulation combined with some technology, um, uh, disruptive uh, forces, and then, uh, not to mention, uh, there was, uh, some funny business going on in terms mm. of, uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, the players, a lot of folks going to jail for, uh, um, for uh, accounting irregularities and, and cooking the books, well, <laughs> that's always a clear
0: signal that it's time to find something new, right? <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah.
1: So, um, and prior to going to Sapien, I actually had worked in, in managed uh, care for uh, United Healthcare. So,
0: mm. the distribution
1: mm-hmm. model for managed um, uh, for group benefits was uh, um, was uh, you know a network of doctors that United mm-hmm. Healthcare contracted with and provided benefits uh, and benefit plans and programs. And the distribution model for that was largely through intermediaries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Telecom had not really gone through that, but at the same time, you had all these technical forces, you had all these uh, um, uh, um, trust issues because of the accounting irregularities and so on. So enterprises and businesses were looking for um, someone that they could trust that was agnostic and so on. Whereas historically, hey, I'm with AT&T, the answer is AT&T, what's the question? Enter bulbs and whistles and everything yeah. else and stars go off where my world of uh, United healthcare and, and basically group benefits being 99.9% distributed through intermediaries combined with the perfect storm of new technologies, deregulation and a lack of trust from the traditional players. We built a business model where we would serve as an intermediary and extension to our clients to help them, uh, um, navigate all of those options and, and be an agnostic um, architect, if you will, for our clients. Back then, it was largely for uh, for uh, for data and for voice. Um, right. Over the years, those lines have become fuzzy as to what's Indeed. the one and, and yeah. security and, and so on and so forth. So today, we still have the same mindset where we serve as an extension to our clients. We do this globally. We do it on a full life cycle basis, so everything from design and engineering to contracting and sourcing to uh, provisioning and project management and implementation, all the way to post-live incident uh, management, change management, inventory management, expense mm-hmm. management, and contract management. Um, and we do this globally in about 180 countries. And from an agnostic standpoint, we work with about 300 or so different providers around the, uh, the planet. To help pull those pieces of the puzzle and, and figure out what the right optimum mix and, and qualitative um, right. benefits will be for our clients um, as it pertains to today, telecom, infrastructure, cloud, and security. And I'm sure that'll morph into a new yeah. Story
0: yeah. By any day now. Yes, exactly. Well, that's exactly what we're we're talking about here. And I, I always think it's interesting when I when I encounter someone in in the telecom world who comes from a sort of different background because it's it's actually pretty rare in this industry. And so it's it's good to imagine you know the the, the lessons one might learn from somewhere else and kind of bring some fresh ideas in. So yeah, that's cool to see. Some
1: perspective from two. Yeah. One tangential industry and the other one completely separate. Although Mm -hmm. both involve networks when you think about it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I had had a friend who worked in uh, oil pipelines, and I always joke with him that we essentially do the same things. Right. So, yeah. 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 So in this first segment, I kind of want to talk about uh, the the how and the why of of why sourcing is changing, right? Um, and and the ways in which it's changing. So, like I set it up in the beginning, we have SD WAN, cloud, uh, most recently Sassy, um, that that have freed up maybe uh, WAN managers to rethink the way they put their networks together. Uh, coming from your perspective, where this is what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, helping folks uh, uh, achieve this, um, are, are those the same drivers you see? Do you think there are others? Um, what, what kind of forces are at play here? It's interesting.
1: Definitely, we see those forces that you just identified. Mm-hmm. I think about it a little bit differently, though, when I'm, when I'm engaged with our clients. We, we try to present it Really, in four major kind of dimensions, one is certainly the financial. Right, um, mm-hmm. there's always a financial mm-hmm. element. Um, is you know, broadband is cheaper than DIA, which historically yeah. has been cheaper than MPLS, which is historically cheaper than doing hub and spoke private lines and so on and
0: so, it's, so. I, I'm a pricing analyst uh, as as my long background in this at TeleGeography, and so you know, to a hammer, everything is a nail. So that's always my first go to, certainly. So yeah.
1: Sure. So financial is, is one of the dimensions. The second is the technical, right? And when you're talking about MPLS or even DIA or any type of underlay, um, most people tend to focus the technical scope or the technical questions um, really on more the SD-WAN features and functionality and that type of mm-hmm. thing. But when we think about technical design from uh, from a connectivity perspective... We think of diversity. We think of resiliency. Mm-hmm. We think of SLAs. We think of those types of things in terms of um, the architecture as it pertains to the underlying connectivity, and that's a lot of you know the to dos around that are around pulling KMZs and looking at right. um, you know path uh, um, you know paths and and uh, points of entry and egress and and central offices and drain points and those types mm-hmm. of things, um, and I think people often. Um, try to consider that, but usually they'll do it just from an access standpoint. Hey, in right. the United States, I'm using Comcast for this tail, and my second node, I'm using uh, for uh, for a dual node um, location. I'm going to use I don't know, AT and T is my, right. my last uh, mile.
0: And it might be hard to get the KMZ files from the supplier sometimes. Certainly, some them, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Right. some
1: of them do. Yeah. But, but there, are, there are there are locator tools that we that we right. use all the time mm-hmm. and. And there's ways to kind of back into that to, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of them are Jedi mind tricks and some of them are just,
0: yeah. um,
1: yeah. detective work. Right. Um, the third element, and this is the the next two that I'm going to mention, the other two dimensions, um, really are the ones that are, I believe most often, um, overlooked. And when we mm-hmm. engage our clients, that's really where you see the, uh, the qualitative benefits and the quantitative benefits play out. One of that is the administrative, um, I think you opened up the dialogue, does it make sense to have, you know, a hundred different providers, Mm -hmm. Um, but from a qualitative standpoint, you might get the best performance, the best resiliency, the best diversity and the lowest risk and so on. But administratively, now you're dealing with a hundred different invoices, you're dealing with a hundred different contracts, you're dealing with a hundred different servicing and billing uh, paradigms and platforms and, and account teams and so on. So that's another dimension. And then the fourth is the Mm -hmm. operating model, right? So um, a lot of clients, um, they either outsource it completely where it's fully managed or they bring it in-house and it's self-managed. And both have their pros and cons. But is there an operating model that you can kind of take the best of both worlds? And and we certainly have designed and recommended and prescribed to our clients um, the best of of both because obviously the carriers, frankly, have reputations of of not always being the most responsive, of not being the easiest mm-hmm. to, to to work with, of having to navigate multiple different roles and responsibilities and, and provider departments and so on. Um, so that um is the four dimensions that we look at when we try to construct, which essentially for connectivity is a comprehensive business case. Mm-hmm. Not just the economics, not just the technical, but the administrative and the operating model. And come to um, leverage a very iterative process to arrive at 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 what is the right fit for a particular mm-hmm. client along those four dimensions.
0: Right, balancing the equities, as it were. Right. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Right. Or the illities, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so I mean, given all that, um, sort of the uh, you know how those things have influenced the change. What are the biggest challenges now that are maybe different than what the biggest challenges were two or three years ago? Whatever that might be, whether it was you know getting your SLAs actually honored and things like that. What do you think has changed if I'm looking at how things were, say, three or four years ago?
1: So it's interesting. Um, what has happened is I think there's been an explosion in terms of access
0: um, mm, points. Mm-hmm.
1: So historically, um, you know most providers services were either on net or it was a type two type two, meaning they used a different tail and right. that tail was either copper and obviously it's migrated or, or, evolved to where now everything is, is fiber. Right. And now what you're seeing is, um, other options available. Number one, there's more competitors for that fiber. So mm-hmm. historically maybe we had 300 access providers and, and, I'm you know, I'm, I'm swagging it.
0: Sure. Uh, of course. Years yeah. yeah.
1: Ago, Mm-hmm. But now we have relationships. Advantage does with over thirteen hundred access providers mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. for fiber, just for fiber. Right. Right. Now, what about fixed wireless? What right. about coax? What about five mm-hmm. um, G or or you know even four G to some degree mm-hmm. if, if you can mm-hmm. get it right? And what about even satellite? And, and satellite, I would I would put out there is you know still evolving.
0: Yeah, exactly, nascent, if you will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: and even, even LTE is, is still, I would say very nascent and, and coax is still best effort.
0: But right. As, so, as yeah. an internet access kind of technology. Exactly. Right? Yeah, As mm-hmm. an
1: access or even mm-hmm. as a standalone ISP. Mm-hmm. But more and more, you're starting to see more resiliency in there. More and more, you're starting to mm-hmm. see, um, those access options come up. So now if I'm looking at a dual node architecture from a connectivity for the underlay, um, maybe i want mpls for one node maybe i right. want dia for another node or maybe i want dia with fiber for one node and dia for fixed wireless for a second node it depends mm-hmm. on the profiles and mm-hmm. and again there's pros and cons and, and and a very iterative set of discussions that go on with enterprises and even smaller mid-sized businesses now can have that same luxury if you will right. of being able to have a more resilient network of having a more, um, diverse, um, and less, uh, you know, lowering risk in terms of redundancy and failover and so on and so forth, because mm-hmm. the underlying connectivity is not all your eggs in one proverbial basket, whether that proverbial right. basket is with the provider or whether that proverbial basket is with an access type. Now you can have diversity in terms of access type. Mm-hmm. Whereas a few years ago, um, that maturity or those options were a lot more limited.
0: Yeah, and, and it even it strikes me that um, that to the extent that there were uh, decisions to be made, there it was it was your carrier making those decisions for you, and that was just wrapped up in the SLA they were offering, right? right. So the sort your right. sourcing team there was, yeah, they hid behind an
1: SLA and said, you know, right. what's better than five nines? Well,
0: right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. Um, you know, getting that thirty-seven dollar credit isn't mm-hmm. as meaningful as, as designing a much more being super, online yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. resilient uh, um, architecture and, and and operating model by the way so there's mm-hmm. that aspect as well
0: alright so you've, you've talked about various network setups um, it, definitely a lot of the enterprises that we talk to these days have some kind of uh, MPLS DIA hybrid some something like that like you said there's there's a lot of different options and there's a lot of different ways to go um, but uh, no matter what internet is what we you know really see growing in our data, we see MPLS kind of on the decline, internet on the way up of various types, right? Um, uh, there's, But when you just say internet, that, that means a lot of different things, like you just mentioned, that, you know, DIA, broadband, is it coax? Is it fiber to the curb, fiber to the premises, whatever? Um, if, if you're talking to an IT infrastructure team, especially at like a multinational, Um, what are, what are the, the sort of key issues that you advise them to look out for and to understand before they sort of jump into that sea?
1: So it's an excellent question. I think the biggest, um, misunderstanding about internet connectivity, especially for global enterprises is that I have to be 100% across the, um, the internet that my traffic is traversing. When mm-hmm. I get my underlay to be internet connectivity at a specific site, so let's let's use mm-hmm. Kuala Lumpur. Mm-hmm. I may have dual node DIA there, you know, trying to get the maximum different ISPs, two separate right. points of entry and egress if available, going definitely into a different drain point for one ISP versus another, and so on and so forth. But really, the way that I can architect it if I'm a multinational or if even in the United States or domestic or in Western Europe or something like that is that I can use the DIA as, as I like to refer to as kind of a poor man's point to point. And mm-hmm. all I'm doing is I'm going, using that internet to tunnel into or to get into um, my, uh, my, 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 my other carriers or my MPLS providers mm-hmm. backbone. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Right. Now I may not be MPLS all the way to that specific site, but I mm-hmm. still get the benefit mm-hmm. of low latency and, and you know, um, a better performance and private, all the things that come with, with having a better backbone, um, a private backbone, as opposed right. to going from one um, uh, pop to another pop and so on and so forth. And, and mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry, hop, not pop, uh, going from one hop to mm-hmm. another to get mm-hmm. back to New York or to get back to um, my Equinex facility in, uh, in Frankfurt, Germany, if I'm servicing Asia Pacific um, uh, from out of Europe and then, you know, North and South America and, uh, out of maybe, I don't know, New York or Chicago or Ashburn, Virginia. Mm -hmm. So I can still get the benefits of kind of both worlds where I don't have to pay as much for end to end MPLS, but I get, I don't have to deal with, um, uh, some of the issues that I might otherwise get if I'm 100% internet in terms of traversing all of my traffic across a, uh, Um, uh, you know, the public Internet uh, or the global Mm -hmm. public Internet as opposed to kind of a hybrid approach. So that's that's what we Mm -hmm. advise multinationals when we're with them is to understand the applications. You know, is it voice traffic? Is it cloud traffic? Is it Internet traffic? Is it private traffic? Whatever it might be. And then customizing and designing so that, you know, we may define um, the, um, the access as not just the last mile for a particular site in Kuala Lumpur, but the access mm-hmm. to get to the private uh, drain point, which I can pick up in uh, the private backbone that I can pick up in, say, Singapore. Singapore, right. Yeah, there?
0: exactly. Yeah. You're
1: onto somebody's uh, private backbone there and mm-hmm. then traverse the traffic all the way back to wherever I need to exit off. Yeah.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And then you're getting rid of some of what the problem with internet is, which is that opaque middle mile and, and, you know, not knowing who your ISP is handing your traffic off to and all that kind of thing.
1: And and not having those relationships. um, Mm -hmm. If you're an enterprise or an IT, most of them don't. Um, They work closely with the procurement department, but even a big company or a small company that has um, service uh, partners that they need to be on net with in Asia, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm thinking of like a clothing company uh, might have suppliers in, in Bangladesh and in, 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 uh, in, in China or wherever it might be Mm -hmm. or in Egypt. Um, the network is so, and connectivity is so mission critical to any business today. We talked about business digital transformation Mm -hmm. all the time, um, that just the traditional way of sourcing, um, that most, especially enterprise clients, um, might undergo. It just doesn't work, um, which is why a lot of our clients come to us in the first place is to work with them to, they don't know who the providers are in all of those regions. They might just, to your point, go to AT&T and let AT&T shop it and we'll trust AT&T. Most clients have found that that doesn't, that works when the network was just a utility, but now that Mm -hmm. the network is so integral to delivering services, to new business acquisition, to customer service and support and retention, it's too strategic to just trust AT&T to find the right global ISP or the right regional or in-country ISPs for Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia or for Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Central Asia or for Lebanon or for France or wherever it might be. So So having those relationships, having the domain expertise, we always tell clients that's a big differentiator that you cannot overlook um, by just saying, "Ah, well, you know, AT T or Orange or, or British Telecom or the usual suspects mm-hmm. or whomever uh, will just trust them. You will fall. You will find pitfalls um, in the network, and as a utility, that may not have been a big deal. But now that it's so mission critical and integral to all of your business operations, and just about whether you're in marketing or whether right. you're in finance or whether you're in manufacturing or whatever it might be, um, you know, just ask any taxi driver what uh, Uber and Lyft and the power of the network <laughs> has done. To their yeah. business, um, connectivity is the most important component of the network. Right. Um, so therefore, you better treat it a little bit more strategically than just as a utility.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, that's a really interesting framing. And, and this does come up pretty often in the sense that, uh, you know, so long the, the network has been c- considered just to be a cost center. It's something that you have to have. But now it's it's more of a driver, especially with IoT and and some of the promise. I, I think a lot of those aren't quite there yet, but the promise of of the way that IoT might change businesses like retail, for example, that that it's going to become a lot uh, more than that. So I, w- I want to focus in on some on you know sort of your example. You're seeing you know let's say I'm getting dual DIA connections in in Kuala Lumpur wherever. Um, uh, are you advising folks to think especially if they're moving away from that sort of comfort level of of having end to end MPLS are you advising to go toward DIA uh, the, the, the delta between MPLS and DIA is is real, but it's definitely tightening. Right. Um, whereas the delta between MPLS and broadband is is vast. Right. Of course, that could be uh, delta in quality as well as price. Right. So h- how do you help folks work through that decision of kind of holding on to, to the idea of having carrier grade on contended service with an SLA Whereas, you know, if I could throw bandwidth at it, a gig e for, for, you know, half the price uh, that I was getting my 10 megs of, of DIA, should should I do that? Um, uh, what, what are some of the factors folks should think about in that decision?
1: It really is a country by country and locale by mm-hmm. locale situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So certain infrastructures, especially carrier grade infrastructures, are much more mature in certain areas of the world. Whereas, the most extreme example is there are some countries that you might you're wasting your money buying broadband. I mean, just right, so,
0: right. It, mm-hmm.
1: First of all, it's, it tends to be very expensive anyway, and second of all, right. it is about as you know reliable as my kids waking up in the morning for school. Yeah. Without
0: <laughs> Indeed, yes.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. um, so it does depend, and there are certain countries where the internet infrastructure is is okay but you're better Mm -hmm. off going with MPLS and perhaps paying a premium. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes to your point, um, you may not need to pay a premium. Um, So it, it it depends on a variety of factors. One is obviously the location. Number two, it depends on the profile of that office, right? Is it Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. gold or or silver or or bronze in terms of um, the profile that, that, that office needs. Mm -hmm. And, um, we find that if a site um, you know, is mission critical from an HA perspective, yeah, MPLS is probably mm-hmm. still the way to go. And frankly, even a layer two connection where we do a point to pop, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. into a carrier's backbone, um, maybe even more attractive for a variety of reasons. We have a lot of um, pharmaceutical companies that we work with where the backbones are largely layer two and then... All of the, uh, the, the corporate uh, offices and satellite offices that hang off of it are, are your traditional layer three with um, either internet or, or, or um, uh, MPLS.
0: Right, right, so, absolutely.
1: Um, that's, there's a lot of different factors. Really, it is untying a Gordian knot and a lot of, <laughs> uh, of detective. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of science that we throw at it. Um, sure. But there's yeah. a lot of art as well that we mm-hmm. throw at it um, mm-hmm. as well. And, um, um, so a lot of it is very iterative and a lot of scenarios that we play out that is very difficult for an enterprise to do on their own. Number one, they've got a day job. Number two, they don't know what they don't know. Number three, they don't have the relationships and the domain expertise, um, to do it because most enterprises are doing this, you know, maybe once every three years, if that, um, Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll hear that uh, the connectivity has been in place or at least the provider for nine years, you know, they've they've just kind of rubber stamped, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, the renewal and, and the evolution process. Um, Because this is hard. It is very, very, very hard. And then just coming up with, as I said, those um, uh, those, you know, those four dimensions, you still have to implement it. You got a steady Mm -hmm. state and you've got the implementation. Um, That's where, again, why you know our model is is so focused on not just getting the right business case but also getting the right implementation of that business case and making sure that we you know that we project manage to ensure that that connectivity or whatever overlay and and so on um gets implemented um it's delivered on time on scope and on budget and that is also a very um you know important thing to consider when you're pricing things out, it's not just about getting. Hey, I got a hundred meg uh, DIA in in Milwaukee for you know five hundred dollars.
0: Right, you need all those other right.
1: dimensions that I mentioned before to be factored into mm-hmm.
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I think about often is that um, you know when you're looking at sourcing teams or the IT infrastructure team. Or them working together at, at an enterprise, even mid-market, whatever. Very often, those folks are coming from an IT background, you know, sourcing finance background. They, you know, occasionally we do run into folks who have come into that role from the telecom business but they're very often not even really aware of of the breadth of the world of that's out there right especially like you said if you know say you've been renewing for 9 years at at a single ILEC or something like that right then your your scope of vision is very narrow and and a lot of them are now familiar with this idea that hey i could go to you know a bunch of different isps around the world and get this for a lot cheaper um, you know, we, we have a, a database of, of broadband providers that we have 4200 some odd providers in there I think right so it's That's it's right. kind of a, a dizzying array and then you get to to that idea where when when I've had the same network with with uh, you know whatever an ilec for, for nine years I know them I know exactly what throat to choke when I have a problem um, uh, you know the idea of of having dozens or maybe more of throats to choke when I have a problem with whom I have very little pull, I think is pretty scary. So if, if an enterprise, you know, comes to you and says that, like, look, I just want to, you know, renew my MPLS network with my ILEC because that sounds, you know, like I'd have to hire a bunch of people and know a bunch of things I don't know. Um, wh- what do you say to them at that point? Uh, should, should they still sort of take advantage of this? How do they go about doing that?
1: They absolutely should take advantage of it. The impetus usually is on the overlay, not on the underlay.
0: The right. connectivity. Mm-hmm.
1: If you're going to make a change anyway, you might as well look at a you know better, cheaper, faster type of mindset and business case. Um, right. So, and most companies, um, right? Ten meg used to be the the new T1. Hundred meg right. now is you know is the new yeah. ten meg. And now you know mid-sized to small size, um, uh, sites, you know, they have a hundred or, or a one gig circuits in there. Absolutely. That is constantly going to be evolving. Um, and anytime you have a change in access type, right? If you go from a hundred meg on a fast E and now all of a sudden you need to be able to do 200 meg commit, well, that's Mm going to require a different, a new install of a different access type. Right. So no matter what the level of effort is going to be there, even if you're just doing grooming, So you might Mm -hmm. as well do um, the strategic side of the equation because the level of effort is going to be the same um, just from a network Mm -hmm. grouping and and evolution perspective anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, routers become end of life. Might as well look at SD-WAN. Why am I not doing firewalls on the same appliance? Might as well look at SASE. If mm-hmm. I'm going to look at SASSI, what type of connectivity is going to um, give me the performance and the optimization that I need? Okay, I'm going with MPLS, mm-hmm. but I'm going with yeah. the same. Uh, you know, what's my second node? Oh, dual node MPLS. Does that really make sense? Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and so now all of a sudden, before you know it, um, you've you've got the same level of complexity. Just if you do a router refresh, as you do right. of moving to SD WAN. You've got the same complexity if if you're upgrading from 10 meg to 100 meg or 100 meg to a gig. Might as well look at MPLS versus DIA or or what the access types are or how you can be more resilient. And again, those operating models, those that one throat to choke, I know it. You know, it's the devil I know. Mm-hmm. It's, we, most executives view that as a cop out, um, mm. as to you know, my network has become strategic. I need to think of my relationship and my operating model as strategic and therefore my network as an asset, not just a utility.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And
1: And that's what we try to work with clients on. Mm -hmm. Um, The good news is that we, you know, in our model, we, you know, um, we're very unique in that we're full life cycle, we're global. And we've got the breadth and depth. There aren't, you know, there are very few that have that level of, 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 of sophistication and expertise but the other element of our model is that we try to make it easy so that our clients, you know, we do 99.9% of the work, meaning all the analysis, all of the managing and project managing of all the moving parts and, and mm-hmm. the test and turn up. We tell our clients, be there for decision making and as much of the weeds as you want to be in when it comes to you know any <laughs> of the scope that we take on, but particularly connectivity. I don't mm-hmm. think they want to care about, you know managing ASRs going out the door and, mm, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, bird dogging for FOC dates and handling DMARC mm-hmm. extensions and so on. We will do that for our clients. And oh, right. by the way, we do that, the currency that we charge, this is where the United Healthcare Days come in. All mm-hmm. we need to be is the broker of, of, of records. Right,
0: right. You're service. just co- connecting them. Right, yeah. We
1: become their managed service provider. We become their consultant, but there's zero out-of-pocket costs then. They don't have to write us a check. Or, or or pay us the expensive uh, cost that um, traditional consultancy. We've taken two models, we've combined them, but the output and the value is exponentially better than each model independent of each other in terms of whether just a broker model going and getting pricing or a consulting model in terms of actual implementation. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Help is out there for all you enterprises
0: or midsize yes. businesses. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I really liked uh, sort of where you're going in in the sense of um, you know the future proofing idea, right? That um, that if you're going to go through this, and in, in if you look back a decade or or a little bit more, uh, switching from you know private line mesh networks or frame relay ATM to to MPLS, that sure. was a fairly straightforward transition in the sense you you got rid of what you had, you adopted the MPLS we're in a kind of more dynamic situation now where you really want to make sure that you understand what's coming even in just a couple few years before you sort of just have to go and do all of this over again very soon, right? So,
1: You brought up a great point. Um, We we bring up, you know, I think the best analogy is the 1950s highway and for all Mm. you people outside Mm -hmm. of the United States, but the US built its highway system essentially in its interstate highway system back in the 1950s. And it was very expensive. And if you looked at it just on a highway standpoint, you know, what type of return might you get? Right.
0: Think of It all facilitated the 20th, 20th century growth in a way. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Motels,
1: yeah. hotels, mm-hmm. filling stations, Wawa's, Seven Elevens you name it, convenience stores, everything, and now mobility and so on. Mm-hmm. I would argue the same thing is happening, that, that IT is now the enabler of all of this innovation and in business models. You know, Facebook didn't exist and wouldn't mm-hmm. exist without the proliferation of, of uh, and and globalization of, of connectivity. Right. It just wouldn't. And what did Facebook spurn? All these, you know, political revolutions and different business models and so on and so forth that that hang off of, of social media um you know same thing with so what we think is going to happen with with the network is why it's so mission critical it's an enabler of an innovation and business models and problem solving that before all this connectivity kind of was even available and accessible um wasn't an intelligent you know just wasn't and it wasn't there mm-hmm. so same thing you build this you know highway if you will um, and now all of a sudden we are seeing, um, you know, business digital revolution is left and right where you see all these models that, um, you know, back in the 90s, it was the dot com. Well, I don't know if they call it right. the dot com today, but yeah, um, yeah. but certainly um, you see, uh, um, we think that uh, there's just a uh, um, an explosion, if you will, mm-hmm. a, of, of, of of different models and, and innovation and functionality and so on and so forth. Right. That um, if the network's not in place, then a lot of companies are going to go by way of the dodo birds because um, it right. just won't be able to compete with those that are that are thinking about these things. Because now all of a sudden, they've been handed electricity and fire and
0: and running <laughs> water. Yeah, well, it was speaking of infrastructure development and and business enabling, have you seen five G kind of make it to the enterprise network yet? So from where I sit. It's something that a lot of folks are still talking about a lot but there's not a lot of um, you know rollouts that match uh, needs yet is that is that starting uh, with with your customers yet
1: I think it's interesting I think 5g will explode from a residential standpoint as opposed mm. to from a commercial mm-hmm. standpoint first right I think businesses have to figure out what they're going to use and how they're going to innovate around this new um, amazing I don't even want to call it technology because it's, right, it's more yeah. of an evolution, right. um, but it's definitely just a disruptive force that we see. And I think mm-hmm. as as um, it explodes in the residential and individual markets, um, you're going to start to see businesses really try to you know figure out. I think at first it'll be around access and hey, look, I don't need to um, spend right. as much on you know capex and and digging stuff into the ground that all of a sudden I can get the same type of performance with 5g i think that still is kind of in beta and and to your Mm -hmm, point mm -hmm. um you know prove it to me um but i think as it starts to get rolled out especially in you know industries that are heavy on 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 mobility and and being able to so for example now all of a sudden 5g i've got a big conference in arizona i need you know 10 giga bandwidth well you gotta sign a one-year contract i gotta pull in you know Two 10 gig mm. loops and so on and so mm-hmm.
0: forth. Right, right. It's a major more, hassle more in more the present contracted world. contracted yeah. from
1: the hotel. Yeah. Now with five G, maybe I can start to you know spin that up mm-hmm. um, and do things. Um, obviously, logistics is another uh, industry right. that uh, will probably fare quite well with um, with with five G. Um, mm-hmm. So the short answer is, I'm excited um, just from um, a capabilities perspective. As right. to what the use cases and applications will be, I think we're it really still, has to emerge. I don't even think yeah. we're in the first inning. I think, you know, we're still yeah. in the deck box.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and, and I think you bring up a good point that it'll start as an access technology. I think even LTE as an access technology has been, you know, not always there necessarily. It's, it might be a good... Uh, you know, use case, if, if you really only have one wireline provider right. and you adopt SD-WAN, you need, you need an LTE kind Worst of thing. Or screened
1: at a kiosk at a mall, right? <laughs> right. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Well, particularly in malls, right? Because they have a contract with a single uh, broadband provider and so you can't get dual Excellent connections, point. right? Yeah. So, um, but, uh, you know, and we're, we're usually totally focused on, on properly the WAN itself. But do you think that, that, real like, you know, mobility as in mobile plans at the enterprise level should be working in conjunction with the WAN now? Are, are those two kind of teams that you see working together or are they still pretty much separate uh, kind of entities within the enterprise? Well, the biggest problem with,
1: well, I think Verizon's tried to do this, right? They, they call it 2.0, right, right. Gen, AT&T. Um, it seems like and I think this was a function, frankly, of Wall Street more so than anything else where they split them off so that you could have right. tracking stocks and so on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't much of an incentive to to merge them because the valuations as two standalone industries were right. greater than when you did it as you know more of a synergistic thing. Absolutely. Um, yep. I think absolutely. I see benefits. I think it's coming. This goes back to the operating model, as opposed to this is not a technical problem or this is not a financial. Well, maybe it is because of Wall Street, but I don't think it's a financial um, problem that needs to be solved or hurdle. Mm-hmm. I think this is an operating hurdle that uh, um, that needs to be solved. How do you yeah. integrate the knock no. so that you know they understand and are aligned with mm-hmm. um, with you know the the mobility side of the house? Whereas same thing, you know, do you integrate the knock or do you keep it right. separate? What about the sock? What about the TAC and the TOC right. and all the other acronyms that you can throw out there? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of operating um, challenges that that need to be worked out. Um, that said, I think it's a critical piece of the puzzle that um, that at some point will be fully integrated um, with the network. And you know, hey, look, no matter how you throw it or catch it, no matter what device it is, no matter what type of SD WAN overlay, wireless right. is going to be is right. going to be right there.
0: Um, for sure. Yeah, well, especially with with all software kind of solutions, then you can download an app onto somebody's mobile device and, and you know, be on the, the SD-WAN overlay and that, that right. sort of thing. Which so it is, seems a lot of promise there, yeah.
1: Yeah, which the edge is, you know, the players like Fortinet and, and mm-hmm. Palo Alto are figuring out and, and doing an excellent job. There's some amazing technologies. But again, the operating models are lagging and the right. other operating model is, okay, that's fine. But wireless tends to be usually you know, country specific in terms of its operations, Right. It's, you know, Europe might be the exception, but most of the mm-hmm. European operators aren't here in the U S and vice versa, the U S operators right. aren't, aren't overseas. And, and, you know, don't even get me started on what about Canada? Yeah. What about Mexico?
0: Yeah, right. so yeah absolutely. The neighbors. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
1: so that's, that's, that's a big problem um, that hopefully from a regulatory standpoint, that'll open up where wireless operators um, can start to be more global operators or at least multi-regional as opposed to today where they're largely just in country.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get too much of my soapbox here, but something I've been obsessed with for years is, uh, how, you know, we still have broadcast television sitting on the choices spectrum that should really be sold to, to wireless providers, but, uh, you know, nothing I can do about it. <laughs> that would be yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, you know, before we wrap things up, I, I, I always like to get, a, a, a you know, my guest temperature on kind of the, the future of the WAN in, in, in particular, you know, do you see MPLS hanging around for, for quite some time? Do you see the WAN devolving into basically just internet connections with overlays? What's what's kind of your take on, on the next several years there?
1: I, I think it's a it's gonna be a world of and as opposed to or. I think mm-hmm. MPLS, you know, especially if I, I I agree with you. I don't know if new installs will necessarily be traditional MPLS. But I also see dramatic write downs, and there's such a huge install base on on MPLS that I don't yeah. see why, you know, what's the incentive to go to um, to dedicated internet or, or broadband or other um, underlay yeah. and, and alternative connectivity options. Um, I would say the same thing probably for private lines as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's mm-hmm. still going to be a big big place for for layer two, um, especially on particular industries. Yeah. Um, that said, um, right, if uh, if if you know. The, the crustaceous period was the age of the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely the age of the internet, right? Yeah, and for sure. How people yeah. apply and use the internet, whether that's just as I, you know, uh, simplify it and and way simplify it by calling it a poor man's point to point, where it's going into mm-hmm. a private backbone, or whether it's uh, um, uh, whether it's uh, um, using it as you know, just um, all of your traffic is is traversing the public internet. I, I think, I think dedicated internet is, is the connectivity um, of certainly the most popular mm-hmm. connectivity option and right. in the dual node architecture, more times than not, one of those nodes is going to be a DIA, whether it's right. MPLS for a bigger site or whether it's broadband as the second node for a smaller site or a home, a small a Soho type site, um, you know, that's that's what we're seeing is the trend, but all mid sizes um, uh, uh, of companies for their offices, mid midsize uh, locations so that, um, you know, those silver locations, we mm-hmm. typically see an architecture from a connectivity of dual node DIA um, for that right. for as much diversity yeah. as possible
0: yeah absolutely excellent. well, Steve, thank you so much. It has been really interesting. I think we hit we hit a whole lot here actually, so I'll have to unpack this a little bit myself as I go along. but um before I let you go, I always like to ask my guests uh, something fun and i've I've been on this for a while. I'll stick with this for a little while longer. but now that uh vaccines are getting out there, so things are starting to return to normal, what are you uh what are you most looking forward to that you've maybe been missing out on for the last uh fourteen or so months here?
1: Oh, that's easy. Two things: one, getting the kids the hell out of the house.
0: Yes, um, oh cool. brother, I have three elementary age kids. It's been it's been an interesting year. <laughs> I, I, I keep yeah. consulting
1: with law enforcement to wonder if it's illegal to throw them out of the first four windows, but. That would be number one. Uh, and then number two, Bruce Springsteen, come back on tour. Let's do oh, it. Nice. Yeah.
0: Can't wait. Absolutely. So yes. Uh, I'm a music fan too. And I'm, I've been looking like with bated breath for like the first show I can, I can actually finally go to again. So yeah, excellent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. So, uh, but I hope everybody stays safe and, um, it's been a long year, but, uh, it's been an exciting and, uh, and, uh, certainly, um, uh, tested us, but, uh, Wow, progress was made in the last year, especially on the network side.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and some good things will come out of this. And uh, we'll we'll check back in perhaps in a, in a year or so, and and see, um, you know, if if the things that we predicted have uh, have come to fruition, you know. So I'd welcome that. Thanks again. Excellent. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by TeleGeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day. So guess what, folks? We got some big news at telegeography, and that is that we just launched our WAN forum. What is a WAN forum? Well, this is a content hub and community for anyone involved in the management of a WAN or in IT infrastructure for mid to large enterprises. And it's got all the analysis and content that you enjoy from telegeography related to the WAN Uh, Plus some extra videos, some interviews, and some uh, special tools that we've designed um, just uh, for inclusion here, like our SD-WAN vendor selector, um, a high-level WAN cost calculator to give you some ideas of what market prices are. Basically, if you like the kind of stuff that we talk about on this podcast, and you're an end user, we think that you'll enjoy the WAN Forum. And of course, this is a space meant to be shared, which is why a WAN Forum subscription includes access for up to 20 members of your team. So check it out by heading to wanforum.com. We'll be adding some new tools, constantly adding new analysis, and announcing some upcoming WAN Forum events very soon. So you wanna make sure you bookmark that. That's wanforum.com. We can't wait to see you there and for you to dive in.